Daniel uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of God. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find a ground for a complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement or by a throng to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the kingdom, all the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ornament, uh, an ordinance, and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction, sign the document, so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. He labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. And the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. 
As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, and the reign, or possibly even the reign, of Cyrus the Persian. Grass withers, the flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord endures uh, forever. forever. Uh, there's an essential question uh, in this narrative. It's a question that's asked uh, by, Dan, by Darius in verse 20, if you heard it as we went through or if you look back at it. Essential question asked by Darius in verse uh, 20, has your God been able to deliver you? From the mouth of the lions. Now the narrative answers very obviously, yes, he, he did. Uh, not only is Daniel still alive after spending the whole night in the den with the lions, but he's, he's unharmed. Not any, harm was, any kind of harm was found on his body. But I think that's a central question that's still, that's still asked. Is God able to deliver? Is God able to rescue? Is God able to save? Do you have power to do this? Sometimes that's asked by, uh, by Christians, by believers. Uh, some, sometimes that's facing some particular danger. Or sometimes that's just going through life itself uh, and the difficulty of it. Uh, sometimes that's as we look at our own issues and how we can overcome those or how it seems difficult. Or even just considering the weight of eternity and what maybe stands before us in our future. I think it's a question that's sometimes asked by those outside the faith as well. Just like here, it's asked by Darius, uh, who are intrigued as they, as he knows Daniel and his faith, uh, but still unsure and wondering, who is this God? Is this God, is, is this God able to do something? Is he able to rescue his own? Is he able to save? I think it's asked by those wondering about Christianity, sometimes wondering about Christians, sometimes wondering about Christ. Um, and it's an essential question that I think is answered more so uh, even through this narrative uh, as it points uh, to Christ's death and resurrection. 
uh, is what answers that God is able to save and and rescue. It is seen uh, historically in Christ's death and resurrection. But it's still a question that we that we ask now. Uh, Is God, is our God, is your God, is God able uh, to save, able to deliver? And it becomes a question of being uh, caught in the middle. Which way to go? Uh, Which side uh, to choose? How will it work out? Uh, Because kind of the answer to that question is is what determines, or how you lean on that question is how you lean on what side uh, you're choosing. Is this God able to save? Well, maybe there's a leaning that way. Is he not able to save? Maybe there's a leaning uh, against it. Uh, It becomes a question of, of loyalty. Is what you see tested uh, in these verses. And, and I wonder if we see ourselves uh, caught in the middle. Because um, this, is, this is the way Scripture speaks to us uh, most of the time. Uh, you can look at just the, the book of Proverbs. Um, it continually just describes that there's almost like a fork in the road. There's two paths. There's this path that leads this way. Uh, the path that leads to righteousness and the God. There's this path that leads uh, to destruction. Uh, but it describes those paths for us because we're, we're continually choosing which way we're going. Whether it's consistent with what God has told us, this fear of the Lord submitting to what he says, uh, uh, depending on him. Or whether it's looking at it and seeing what seems good to us and going our own way. We're constantly caught in the middle uh, with these choices of which way are we leaning? Where's our loyalty? Is it, is it towards serving God or is it toward uh, serving ourselves? the question that they're they're caught in it's a strong pull um which way do you lean um when do you find yourself leaning one way or the other maybe it's a better way uh, to ask it and why how do you answer that question uh, for yourself if you're asking it is god able to deliver and rescue so we go through the passage. The first thing I want us to, to look at is, is the conspiracy. Um, just a little points to, to get through. The first, first point is uh, conspiracy. You see this conspiracy uh, set up, especially uh, in the first uh, nine verses of the chapter. As these other government officials uh, begin to, to make their plot uh, to conspire uh, to take Daniel out. Right? Um, now, always with conspiracies, once you get into them, they begin to get deeper and deeper, right? And you're wondering who's, who's really behind uh, this conspiracy, whether that's you know, the classic thing of, of uh, uh, JFK's assassination, right? Was it, was it really just the lone gunman? Was there something else on the, on the, on the grassy uh, knoll? You know, what was going on? Because the lines of the bullets and where things hit just doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to come together. No conspiracy theorists there? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you start looking at the major events in the world, wars, and you just, you have to look and say there's something to this uh, whole new world order thing of the people that are controlling the major monies and the events of, of history, right? That's all the military industrial complex. You can see it behind it. It goes back to the Illuminati. It's there. Do your research, people. <clears throat> and, and what about like the supposed landing on the moon, Right. We've, we've all seen the film. We've seen the footage, right? Where do they put all that? Where, where, where do they do filming and footage? Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood is the, are the ones that, that beat the Russians, right? Hollywood landed uh, on the moon uh, in, the back, uh, in the back lot of their, their filming. Just, just like, right, the, that was a race, the, the, the race of the moon against the Russians. And who was the president later that, uh, that ended the Cold War against the Russians? 
but Ronald Reagan, who was formerly a Hollywood movie star, you see how it all, it all adds up, right? All right, there's a conspiracy going on here, and part of what you're asking is who's really behind uh, these events? The conspiracy starts, uh, the conspiracy against Daniel starts with these other officials. Because it's kind of amazing and impressive how quickly uh, Daniel has uh, been distinguished and, and risen uh, in position and influence. I mean, it was amazing already that he had risen from this uh, exile brought into Nebuchadnezzar's court in Babylon up to kind of the, the third person uh, in the uh, in the empire as, as of giving him wisdom and a, and a counselor. But then the whole kingdom of Babylon falls and is taken over uh, by Cyrus or by Darius. Um, and, and here's Daniel. And, and he still makes it through. As, as uh, this new uh, king comes in and he looks and says, who do I need to put in charge on, that, on this? He finds Daniel to be someone who's faithful. And so he, he takes his whole kingdom, and uh, the, the Persian Empire at this time was, I think, the largest uh, world, world empire uh, in, the, in the ancient Near East. And uh, he sets over 120 people to, to govern over the whole thing, right? But those 120 have to answer to three presidents. Guess who one of those three presidents is? It's Daniel. But it's not very long before Darius starts looking at things and says, um, Daniel really knows what he's doing. In fact, I've got these three presidents, but I'm going to have Daniel oversee all of those guys. Um, and so it appears that all the rest of these officials, are they're not going to have it. Uh, they're not going to stand for that, for Daniel uh, getting this pride of position uh, that they wanted. Um, so they set themselves as his adversaries. Um, they, they looked for a way uh, to accuse him. Maybe they can start a smear campaign if they dredge up enough stuff from Daniel's past. But it's not there. Uh, maybe they can lure him into some bad deal and then he's uh, kind of caught in that cheating or somehow found unfit for office. There's nothing they can dredge up, nothing they can lure him into. No fault uh, is found. And they even say, uh, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless... We find it in connection with the law of his God. Whose law is he going to follow ultimately? Uh, but the law of his God. So what they decide to do is they have to trick uh, the king. They have to trick uh, Darius through lies and flattery and deception. Right, A whole throng of them come, to, come before him by agreement. All of them important uh, governors and counselors and satraps and, and whatever uh, uh, coming to him. And they're praising him. They're saying... You are, the, you are the king over this whole empire. And you know what? People need to be asking you for things. And let's, we, all, we all got together and we agreed that for 30 days, no one in your kingdom should be asking petitions for if, of any god or any man of anyone except you. Because you're the one who's most powerful in this. So we made up this junction and, and here we are and we want you to sign it. Darius like, wow, you're kind of like flattered on me. Here's all these people and they're saying no one should ask anything except for you. Um, uh, it's the greatest kingdom of the world they're saying all should worship and serve him alone there's 30 days of prayer but it's only uh, to Darius uh, the trap is set he signs the document he signs the injunction uh, it's the law of God that, that Daniel is that they found some uh, that Daniel would be keeping and here they set a law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be uh, revoked <clears throat> the trap set um, but but there's a deeper level to the conspiracy. 
Hopefully you don't think I'm just a crazy conspiracy as, as we go through this. I hope you can hear the echoes of Scripture in this. <clears throat> who's to gain? Anytime you're looking for a conspiracy, you've got to say, who's really behind this? Who's to gain from this, right? Who's to gain when the reputation of God's kingdom is on the line? Uh, from, from God and his servants are looking bad, or put it a different way, who's the accuser of God's people? Who's the adversary against them? Uh, who's the ultimate deceiver and slanderer and flatterer uh, that Jesus calls the father of lies? Um, right, the whole theme of Daniel is this uh, kingdom of God uh, being set up against uh, the, the kingdom of man, a challenge it, attacking it. Uh, and from, from the attack on God's servants uh, in Eden in Scripture, uh, in Genesis 3, um, to the temptations of Jesus uh, in the wilderness. Um, it's Satan that's behind that attack. Uh, and, and that's here too. Now, I know, to some of you, it can be like, this guy up here is talking about Satan as if like Satan is real and Satan is actually doing stuff. Um, and you think I'm really weird. That's okay. I'm fine with seeming weird like that because that's the way Scripture talks about things. Uh, that Satan is real and his attacks are real and his attacks are focused against God's people uh, to, to destroy God's name and God's reputation. Um, and it's, it even pick, picks it as, like, you can look at, a, look at the story in Job, and it's as if, uh, as if uh, the, the devil or Satan is going around looking for opportunities to accuse uh, God's people, to bring them up before him, uh, to, make, to make God look, uh, look worse. That's the conspiracy uh, behind this. Uh, to put it this way, uh, the danger of the lions has, has a, a very long history. Um, even back in Genesis 4, right? Cain uh, and Abel, who are brothers, but then this controversy develops, this jealousy develops uh, in Cain. And God speaks to him and he warns him uh, about the danger and he uses this illustration of a lion being ready to pounce. He says to, to Cain, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It's a word used for the, for the crouching, the pouncing of a, of a lion who's a prey. Um, its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Uh, Peter continues uh, the warning uh, to us, even, long, even after Christ. In 1 Peter 5, he, he warns uh, believers, says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He goes on to say, resist him, affirm in your faith. So next, after this conspiracy, what we see in the passage is, is resistance. Uh, the resistance of Daniel's faith. Uh, secondly, the resistance. When the trap is set, uh, and Daniel finds that he's caught in the middle of it. Right? The, the documents have been signed. When he hears the documents signed, there he is, caught in the middle of the trap. How does he respond? What does he do? I think this is absolutely fascinating. Um, what, how does he respond to being caught in the trap, caught in the middle of it? He goes about daily life as usual. He's caught in the trap. Like, his life is in danger. His position is in danger. He may be thrown in the, in the den of lions if he does anything. He's going to be destroyed. He's going to be ripped apart by wild beasts. He goes about life as usual. 
Um, it says, as he had done, talks about him going up to his uh, room, the place where he would pray with the window open toward Jerusalem, the place where God's uh, presence was with uh, his people. Um, and, uh, and he prayed, gave thanks to God, as he had done previously. This is his normal life. This is what he's, he's continuing. He's not threatened. And so that he has to, uh, uh, to, to move and accommodate to that what's going to happen. He's not afraid. Um, he doesn't go and just uh, hide. He's not accommodating himself to what they want and maybe seeing if he can uh, uh, appease something. He's not even uh, accusing them back. They just told you that all the governors and the satraps uh, agreed that we should do this. Hey, uh, I didn't. Uh, let me tell you why they drew this whole thing up. We don't see him defending himself. We don't see him fighting back uh, against them or even appealing to the king's mercy or, or, or some, you know, some loophole in it. His resistance consists in continuing his normal practice of trusting God. Normal practice of dependence. I want us to stop and like appreciate that uh, for, for a moment. Uh, just how difficult that would be if you were in that situation. If this was the challenge that was, that was brought out, right? Because I mean, here, this is Daniel in the lion's den. We know how the story ends. Like, hey, he gets, he gets rescued. It's amazing. This is what's coming. But humanly, as you're sitting in that situation, the expectation is death. Okay, here it comes. Made it through Nebuchadnezzar, his son, even the whole exile thing, all this. Even had a position here. But, and I've faithfully worked with God, but here's, here's the end. Right at this point, uh, Daniel. At this point, Daniel's life. He's a he's an old man. Uh, brought as a young, very early teenager, most likely uh, to Babylon, uh, and now he's probably in his uh, in his seventies somewhere, seventies or eighties even. Um, he spent most of his life in exile, and he's even come to understand. You see this from some of the later chapters um, that, that the exile was a punishment from God that was going to last about seventy years, and the end of that time is is coming soon. And Daniel appears already this time to be aware of that. Um, and here he is like, man, if you've made it this far, like, why die now? The window of his room is open toward Jerusalem. That's where his heart is, to be back there in God's place. Why die now? This whole thing, it only extends 30 days. 30 days. Come on. Like, you can, you can get through a whole lot of stuff if, if all you have to do is just get through it for, for 30 days. And if you're looking at 30 days versus life... I like which do you pick? I'll go. I'll go for the thirty days. That sounds good. And and it's not like they're requiring him to like go out of his way and renounce God, right? They're not. He's not even coming and saying publicly like you don't believe in God anymore or for this thirty days you won't worship God. Uh, any of these things. It's, it's not like Nebuchadnezzar making the statue and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being out there and then being required to bow down to it. It's not that he has to do something. There's just something that he's not allowed to do. Right? Like, can he just can he just get by with that? It's it's uh, <clears throat> it's only temporarily forbidding uh, something that's good. It's not a sin of commission. It'd just be a sin of omission, right? Uh, just it's just prayer. And even if that wasn't all the deal, like it's praying. You can like do it silently or something while you're walking around, and you still know that that's what you're what you're doing. Um, <clears throat> Uh, you could hide. You could change the times that you're praying so they at least have to search for you a little bit harder. Maybe, maybe at least make it through 20 of the 30 days, right? Like, or, or something. 
Um, but any of that would have been self-serving. Right? That's the choice in the middle. Uh, serving yourself or, or serving God. Um, and and his, his choice becomes to choose God even to the detriment of himself. Um, that's, that's where his heart is. Uh, when it's comparing uh, God's law to this law of the king, he knows which king is greater. He knows where his loyalty is. Uh, he knows which king uh, he serves, uh, which law is actually lasting. It's a resistance. Uh, but his resistance is that he resists placing his, his, uh, his life, his hands, his, his destiny in any other hands but God's. He resists leaning on himself. He resists looking at that law. He resists any forms uh, of just him making escape. He resists placing his destiny in any other hands but God. I think sometimes maybe it's hard for us to realize how we're caught in the middle. Um, but this is the way Scripture describes where we're at all the time, is that we're caught in the middle. And how do we, how do we respond Right, that warning from First Peter, he's applying it to us. Be sober-minded, be, be watchful. There, there's a conspiracy going on. You're, you're being caught in the trap and you're put before these choices. Um, and it's looking, there's lions looking to uh, devour you for you to fall into it. It causes us to resist of this firm uh, faith. Maybe sometimes you see that in the, just the life goals that you've set. Um, or what you're looking forward to or hoping for. Uh, maybe it comes out more in the means that you're willing to use to, to get to those goals. Um, maybe you can see it just in your, your free time, right, and what you do with it, what your priorities are. Maybe you see it in an entertainment uh, or what you spend your time looking for and pursuing. Maybe you can find it in your Google search history. Uh, maybe you can find it in the patterns of conversations that you've had with friends, uh, what gets repeated, what doesn't get repeated. Um, maybe you find it not in the things that you say, but the, the thoughts that are there that you uh, dutifully keep to yourself, but the way that you look at others. Or, or most likely it's best seen uh, in the pattern of Daniel here, in prayer. In a life of prayer expect, expressed in dependence on God. Uh, that, 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 that that is showing how we respond to being caught in the middle more than anything else. Resistance is a resistance of dependence on God in normal and daily life. Come the danger that's there uh, in the threat of the lion's den or as it feels uh, on just a normal day. Listen, the ultimate stand of resistance uh, is not Daniel uh, in Scripture. Uh, It's Jesus, right? Which means that you don't have to pretend that you always pass the test. Uh, we don't have to pretend that we always uh, pass that test because what we do is we repeat the history of Adam and of Eve and of Cain and of everyone else all down the line. Uh, we're caught in the middle, and sometimes that choice is, is self-serving uh, and not God-serving. Uh, we, we're hiding sometimes. We've lied. Uh, we've accommodated to, to other things that weren't true to God's word. We've, we've changed uh, our actions or patterns. We've fought. Uh, we've, we've turned selfish. Uh, plenty of times we, we seek other people's approval. Right? That's what Daniel's not doing there. Or their gifts. Or maybe we just want to avoid their threats. Expressed or unexpressed. But we know how it's going to go if we don't follow certain, certain lines of living. 
And in doing so, what we do is turn our back on the God who made who made us, uh, the God who provides uh, for us. But Jesus was different than that. Um, in the wilderness, temptations is maybe one of the uh, one of the examples of it. When you see uh, Satan there meeting Jesus uh, in the wilderness uh, and tempting him again and again uh, and again. And what does Jesus do? And all those things, what he does is is exercise dependence. On God, even the way that Jesus responds to Satan's temptations is every time by quoting Scripture. Right, the, the wisdom and the answer that he looks to is the wisdom and the answers that's been given from God, and he's expressing uh, that. That's how he faces a temptation. Uh, Jesus faced it uh, ultimately uh, in facing death. Uh, in facing not just the physical death of lions or a cross or being ripped uh, apart or suffering and, and, and physical death, but in the rejection of God, uh, the rejection of his Father as the penalty uh, for failing, as the penalty for selfishness, as the penalty for turning uh, away from him. And he faced death unswervingly. Um, uh, he continued in obedience, uh, in obedience to the point of death, even death on a cross, Philippians 2 says. It was an obedient submission uh, to God. Uh, and he does so securing salvation, even as he was punished uh, for our failings of it, for our failings of how we're caught in the middle and choose our own way. Uh, but he uh, resisted unswerving obedience uh, in, instead to God so that we might be rescued by his resistance, uh, how he continues to depend entirely on the Father. Jesus is that supreme example of resistance, even resistance for us. Uh, And that's what leads, thirdly, to the victory, right? We've seen the conspiracy. uh, We've seen being caught in the middle and the resistance. And thirdly, we see the victory, as you're reading through the story, if you're reading through it the first time or hearing it the first time, it sounds like the victory is going to go to the conspirators. Uh, it's going to go to Daniel's adversaries and accusers. right? D- despite the king's distress and him laboring all day, wishing that there was some way that the king himself could rescue Daniel, uh, the trap had closed in on him. Uh, and he was handed over and thrown to the lions and defenseless before them. Verse 13, he even seals it, right? A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring, with the signets of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. But something was changed. Um, The victory came uh, when the stone was rolled away. The break of the dawn, uh, Darius comes back, and he comes back uh, early, uh, rise, goes in haste to it, and he calls out in this tone of, of anguish, and he asks that question. Has your God been able to deliver you? O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Uh, <clears throat> The, resound, the ultimate answer to that question, the resounding answer to that question, uh, comes uh, centuries later on an early uh, Sunday morning. It comes at the empty tomb as Mary uh, comes to anoint Jesus' body. And there in anguish and distress, uh, wondering, can God rescue and save? And the tomb is empty. 
Whereas Peter and John uh, run to the tomb and found the stone uh, rolled away. Jesus, as Jesus appeared uh, to his disciples as, as crucified, uh, eating with them even, and yet uh, raised uh, to new life, a life never to die again. It's, right? it's in his dependence on God that God raised up the Lord Jesus from the dead uh, to live forever as king. Vindicating him as right, Daniel's described here, I was found blameless. Uh, Jesus is the ultimate blameless one, innocent, uh, perfect as our righteous substitute because in caught in the middle, he always obeyed God uh, perfectly. He did what we did not know how to do and could not do. It's our righteous substitute so that in him, he is offering uh, the love and approval of God through him despite our wrongs, uh, despite our failings. Um, it's then in history that Darius' question, that our question gets answered to the full, yes. God is able to deliver his servants. He's able to deliver them uh, from the lions. He's able to deliver them uh, from death itself. Jesus is our rescue. Dependence on him is salvation. And so Daniel, as God's servant, um, is vindicated. He's, Daniel is Christ's servant, and he's, he's vindicated here because, of how, because God is a God who rescues and saves as seen in Christ. Comes out unharmed, unscathed, uh, the lion's mouth having been shut by God's messenger, by God's angel. And the reasons made clear for us in verse 23. King was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel should be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. No kind of harm was found on him because... He had trusted in his God. Not because of something in Daniel. Uh, because Daniel continued in dependence on God. When it was the law of the Medes and Persians that's supposedly irrevocable, or the law of his God, he knew which law would stand. He knew which choice uh, he would go to. And here God's law has overturned uh, the law of the Medes and the Persians and, and drawn out uh, victory rescue, and salvation. And the same is true uh, for God's servants still. Because God is a God who shows rescue. Uh, Not just from a den of lions or from some uh, danger uh, to the body, but here's the way Hebrews uh, 2 talks about it from Jesus, that, that Jesus through death destroyed the one who has the power of death. says that is the devil. And delivered all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Or elsewhere in scripture, all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Uh, More than just from the present tragedy or the the next thing that might occur tomorrow or next week that's already uh, happened in your life. But Jesus promises eternity with him, eternal life in him, newness of life that's a rescue from being left to ourselves. From trying to make our own way out. From trying to work well enough with all the things that we know about the world around us and what their principles are and what it takes to succeed for us to build our success and some happiness from that that we can be secure in. It just fades and falls. We're rescued for that into something that's given uh, to us. God's love and security and future uh, with him. But there's one step further in the victory. Uh, maybe we don't always like this step. Next thing you see in the passage is that Daniel's accusers, instead of Daniel being thrown, Daniel's accusers now 
are being cast into the den of lions. Especially when we see they, their children, and their wives, uh, we tend to take issue with it. The point, though, is that the kingdom that sets itself up against God's kingdom doesn't survive. This is the way Proverbs speaks to you. When you're trying to, when you're trying to figure out what choice am I making, this choice and this choice, it's going to say this choice seems hard and this other choice seems really easy. But that easy choice leads to a place that's death. And this hard choice is a choice that leads uh, towards life. Uh, there, there's, no, there's no final victory without the defeat of the enemy. Uh, but God's victory is a final and full victory uh, with the enemy fully defeated. Uh, Jesus secures that, <coughs> that defeat um, for his people, uh, even as Darius throws Daniel's enemies uh, into the pit. That's what Jesus has done for his and our enemies. You see, you're only caught in the middle for so long. Uh, eventually, one side wins out. <clears throat> the question in this passage, it was asked by Darius. Not by Daniel, who's sitting in the middle of it. It's asked by Darius as he watches him, uh, as he's concerned for him. Uh, Daniel, has your God been able to deliver you? Uh, it's asked by an unbeliever that didn't trust Daniel's God. Um, and he also answers it. as he's seen what God can do? Uh, Darius is the one who answers it uh, for everyone in his kingdom uh, to hear. That's the way the passage ends. Uh, Darius' first decree, this injunction that he signed, his first decree was against God and against God's servant. Uh, And now this decree honors God's servant, honors uh, Daniel's God as the God who rescues and delivers. Uh, The king of Persia, uh, the king of the Persian Empire, uh, says these words that we'll close with. But how do you answer that question? Is God able uh, to deliver King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell on the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal king dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions.